on this episode of the Spencer Muse podcast, we have Elijah Stacy. Um, he has Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, so Elijah, let's start with that. Let's start with your younger years and say, was there a time? When was the diagnosis? What was the diagnosis like? Was there a time where you were like, oh, crap, something is totally not right? Yeah, so I was officially diagnosed with uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy when I was um, six years old. But we really started to notice that there was things that were just not normal about my walking uh, movements when I was about, you know, five years old, maybe four. And that included, you know, walking on my tippy toes. That's one of the most clear signs. So when you see your kid, you're walking, he's walking on his tippy toes. You thought, okay, there's something there. And I wasn't able to push a bike, um, to uh, ride a bike, like all my peers. And I was struggling to get up off the floor. I was falling to the floor frequently and I came up with my peers at recess. So there was obviously something there started doing testing. But the one thing that really got our attention that something was wrong is when my mom wanted to measure my height. So she, you know, she wanted to get me out of a booster seat. So in the car, so she said, Hey, let's measure your height. Let's see how tall you are now. She puts me up against the wall to measure my height. And she said, Hey, put your, put your heels down on the floor. Right. Cause I'm standing on my tippy toes. Right. And I'm not able to do it. And she thought I was messing around. You know, she hits me on the head or oh, I just stopped messing around. And I'm like, no, I, I can't do it. And so then that's when she was like, okay, there's something clearly there. I started going to the doctors and eventually going to specialists, doing blood work, doing all kinds of things, eventually doing a muscle biopsy where they took a piece of muscle tissue out of my leg. And that confirmed that I have Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Okay. Um, and so from my understanding, you couldn't really stand on your heels, like flat footed. That's correct. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Why? Do you know why that is? Yeah. The reason why is because the shin is, it's a muscle wasting disease. So your muscles yeah. are getting weaker as, as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And so your, your legs, you're using other muscles to compensate, um, to, you know, to, to compensate for, to, to still function, right. To still be able to walk, to still be able to move. So your other muscles start, um, overworking and it's over, just your body trying over, to, it's like overcompensation basically. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Yes, yes. Fair. Um, now, I know you have siblings, um, and I know this disease is ge somewhat genetic. Um, could you tell the story of that and if that related to the diagnosis at all? Sure. So I'm the second oldest in my, okay. family, my family, but my first, uh, the first oldest is my brother, Will, um, and he's completely healthy. Uh, he's actually a paramedic. He's also in the military. Oh, uh, nice. He's a lot of great things, um, but he's completely healthy. He does not have addition. Then you have me, I have Duchenne muscular dystrophy and I was the first one diagnosed. And then you have my brother, Max, and he also had Duchenne muscular dystrophy, but we learned that later on in his life. But Max, when he was born, uh, he had open heart surgery, didn't go well. And it led to tons and tons of health complications. And he was severely disabled. I mean, he was confined to a bed. Um, he had a, a full-time nurse. Uh, he constantly went to the hospital many times a year. Uh, he was blind. Uh, he couldn't talk, feeding to, you know, all that severely yeah. disabled. Yeah. Um, and then we later learned that he has the shin, but we didn't, you know, he never walked. So we didn't know if he was walking on his tippy toes or anything like that. But we later right. learned that when my youngest brother, Kai, 
was born. Um, and then as he became older, it was clearly he was walking on his tippy toes. We did all that. We got him tested. We also got Max tested at the same time because we thought, hey, maybe Max has it too. Both came back. They're both diagnosed uh, with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, and then Max, you know, unfortunately, he passed away uh, January 3rd, 2019. Sorry and about that. So, so that's how uh, he passed away when he was just 14. Oh, um, so yeah, obviously there is a, in, is there anything, if you don't mind me asking involved with your parents, like genetics, they are all fine or. So my parents are both healthy. Uh, they okay. don't have this muscle dystrophy, but the way the disease is typically passed down is from the mother. Um, so it's X linked, right? Right. Yeah. So, you know, with basic biology reproduction is, you know, the man will put up, uh, an XY, a chromosome that decides mm -hmm. the biological sex of, of the child and the woman will put up um, two X chromosomes. And so um, since it's X linked, um, you know, I, my older brother, he got the good one, right? Cause if you know, it's either, it's a 50, 50 chance, right? It's either going to be a good one or a bad one. Yep. And so I got the bad one. Um, and then, you know, and that's typically why this disease mainly affects men because, you know, a woman, she has two X, um, uh, chromosomes. And so if one of them is bad, then the other one can be used to also just kind of weigh it out, right. To balance it out. So, um, that that's, that's how it's passed down. Right. Um, yeah, I was also reading that it's, uh, alteration like that gene in the X chromosome or whatever alters a protein called, uh, dystrophin, I think. And Distro that dystrophin. Yes. That just holds muscles intact from what I was reading. So what dystrophin does, right? The way I like to break it down. Yeah. Is, so inside your cells, your muscle cells, these mm -hmm. are your myocyte cells. Yes. Yes. You have the cell membrane. You, you know, know a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, the cell membrane, what it does is it regulates the cell, what comes in and out of the cell, right? So yeah. that's what it does. Now you have this, uh, this, what I like to think of it is, is like a pillar, right? So think of like your cell membrane as like the roof. And then you have a pillar and it holds up the roof, right? Yeah. That pillar is called dystrophin. Mm -hmm. Now, when people with dystrophin, they have a lack of dystrophin. So that pillar is shorter. So it doesn't hold up the roof. So every time you contract your muscles, what happens is that roof rips open or caves in on itself because there's no pillar holding it up. That membrane rips. And so what happens is unnatural amount of chemicals like calcium, for example, will enter the cell. Yeah. And then it will activate certain proteins that tell the cell, to um, self-destruct. And so that's what leads to the cell dying faster than it should because unnatural substances are entering the cell telling it to die. And so the muscles are dying, they're deteriorating because that dystrophin part is missing. So if we could fix that dystrophin, right? The, the, the DNA code that, that yeah. codes for dystrophin, we could fix this disease, we could cure it, we can halt the progression of it. And the, the good news is, is we can like gene editing is starting to become a, a, a really big thing. And, and so is gene therapies. Gene therapy is a little bit different than gene editing. Um, but my nonprofit, right, you know, um, Destroy to Shin, I, you know, we, we could talk about that as well. Yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I founded Destroy to Shin when I was 15, uh, 15 years old. And the whole mission of Destroy to Shin is to advance gene editing and gene therapy into human practice. And so gene therapy, and, and I love this stuff. This stuff is fascinating to me. Oh, yeah, me too. Gene editing, right? It's basically where we can edit um, your DNA, like it's a piece of text. So for example, if you have the sentence on a Word document, um, I went to red, that doesn't make sense to the reader. 
Mm-hmm. But if you change the R to a B and, you know, in, in the word red, now it becomes bed. I went to bed. Now that sentence makes sense. And so that would be like correcting the spelling error, if you will. And that's the same thing that needs to happen for uh, diseases like Duchenne or other genetic diseases. So that's really cool. But now the other thing we could do is gene, gene uh, therapy where we can just insert the gene altogether. So the, the error will still exist, but we could still give it a new page, if you will, that says, I went to red. So we'll also have the one that says, I went to bed, uh, or my bad, I got that reverse. It'll still say, I went to red, but then the other one will say, I went to bed. And so the reader will still be able to go, oh, okay, that's what it means. So it still has the correct instructions needed to make dystrophin. And so both of these therapies, I think, um, well, these are my main focuses and the, the focus of the nonprofit, because these therapies, I believe, are the cure for this disease. And that's, that's, that's why, you know, I say complete the cure, right? I don't say find mm. the cure because when, when I think of, you know, find the cure, I think that means, you know, something that's like 50 years away, hundred years away. And it's just something that we have no clue how to do. That's not the case. We know how to cure this disease. It's a matter of ensuring that it's, it's safe and effective. Um, and that's why I say complete the cure because we're right there. We're knocking on the door. We just have to uh, get this done, make sure it's safe and uh, get it into human practice. And I think, um, I think that'll happen um, soon, to be honest. And, and when we do that, and not only will the shin be cured, but all these other genetic diseases as well, and thousands of lives are going to be improved and, and saved. And, and that's just a, an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, now from your knowledge and research, do you, I know you said soon, and I do believe that, but do you have an estimated time frame, maybe? If you're to guess, when, well, I mean, when, you know, when, I'm not, yeah, I wouldn't say like I'm the, you know, I'm yeah. not the scientist or expert, but in, in my opinion, I really can't see, and, and because there's, you know, they're starting to do testing and stuff with other mm-hmm. diseases mm-hmm. and stuff, and it's starting to roll up. I think a lot, we're going to see a lot of stuff happen within 10, mm-hmm. um, 15 years at agree. max, at max. Like stuff is happening now. You know, a lot of it is going to be regulation and, 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 you know, and, and things matter, right. In terms of funding, like the more money we put at this problem, the more tests we can run, the faster we can get this going and, and things happen like that. So there's a lot of different variables, a lot of moving pieces, but I really think that we're going to start to see a lot of things change within 10 to 15 years uh, in terms of how we treat genetic disease. And um, like I always say, it's, we're entering the golden age of medicine mm-hmm. right? and I want to help usher that in because it really is going to be the golden age of medicine when we can you know, edit your DNA and yeah. cure genetic diseases altogether and not even cure, uh, but prevent, right. We can also make preventative medicine as well with, with this technology. Yeah. And I think things are still moving exponentially. So I just think the growth is exponential. Like you, it's, it's going to happen so quick before, you know, it. it's, it can be, it will yeah. be readily available Yes, yes. to yes. everyone, especially with people like yourself. Right. So and I know you haven't been just doing what was the destroyed to Shane? Was that a bill or was that just a nonprofit? Cause you did things with, uh, Amazon Bezos, Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. That was just, how did that, come up and how did that opportunity get presented to you i guess yeah so so the shortest is a not is a non-profit non-profit that's, okay that's the organization that i that yeah I, when did that start uh 2017 i was 15 okay. years old wow yeah wow yeah um, awesome 
but yeah so did that grow quickly and did you have support from other people yeah i mean yeah i mean i started it off uh, like i said 15 so yeah not a lot of connections not a lot of resources right away but uh as soon as people heard the story and they saw the passion behind uh me and what i'm trying to do people got behind it very quickly and it's just been growing every single year and um we're doing things that i honestly i mean i think that we're making history right now in the sense that there's never been a person with my disease that is going around on a pr run bringing massive amount of awareness to this disease. And, and that's what's needed. You know, I'm trying to be the face of this, this disease, kind of like Magic Johnson, you know, he used his huge platform to right. change the perception around HIV. We look at like Michael J. Fox using his celebrity to re- raise hundreds of millions of dollars for Parkinson's disease. You look at, uh, you know, Lou Gehrigson, right? You know, with ALS mm-hmm. and this letter called Lou Gehrigson disease, right? So I'm trying to do the same thing, um, but with the shindy, make the disease known, but more importantly, to make it cared about. And, uh, and I think we're doing that right now. I think we're literally making history. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. So, um, now did you, did you meet, uh, Bezos? I didn't get a chance to watch that video, but how, how did that come about and when was that? Yeah. So I met Jeff Bezos in 2019, um, at the Amazon headquarters Wow. day day one building. Um, I met Jeff Bezos. Uh, it was really, really cool. Um, he's someone that I look up to in the entrepreneur world. He's brilliant mind, you know, starting Amazon is just a fascinating story. And the way Amazon is ran is so, um, so impressive. And I think it's just a really, you know, they, they, they use so much um, logic and they use so much creativity with what they do. Mm-hmm. And I was just inspired by that. And so I wanted to meet him and have a discussion with him. And it was uh, really cool to share a moment in time with someone that I look up to in the business world. That must have been pretty cool. That must have been very cool. Um, I did want to ask you about the prevalence of uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, what is the prevalence? Do you know? Like, yeah, so, of say, you know, go ahead. So there's about 300,000 people, more than a quarter of a million people around the right. world that have Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Right. Um, you know, typical statistics is one in 3,500 boys um, will be diagnosed with this disease. Um, so the way I like to think about it, it's like one person with Duchenne at uh, a large high school. So every, you know, large high school, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or small college, like really small college. Uh, do you, you have about one person with Duchenne? So it's, um, it's rare, but it's really not when you think about it, right. There's a lot of suffering, you know, 300,000 people. That's a lot of people that are suffering. Right. So if we can alleviate that suffering. You know, that's a lot of, of suffering. The way I kind of like to think about it, it's like, imagine you have a cup of water full of suffering if you will the water being the, the suffering yeah i mean that's a good chunk of suffering that we're going to empty out right so exactly um so it's it's a it's a it's a problem that needs to be addressed right when you think the prevalence is i mean it is low but when you think about the actual total number of people that it can affect in lives that it really yeah. does really affect it, yeah. it is a lot um I wanted to get into possible treatments. Um, do you, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, do you, what, what are some possible treatments um, that you know of anything that has high effectiveness, quote unquote, or higher effectiveness? Um, well, let me ask you, what do you mean by treatment? Like to be precise? Cause like we kind of talked about cures and that's yeah. kind of where my focus is at, but if you're talking about things that might slow down the disease or make it better, is that kind yeah. of treatment? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, 
I would say that there really isn't. Yeah. Um, that there's, you know, we could take steroids like prednisone, deflazacort, stuff like that. Yeah. I was um, reading into some like corticosteroids that, I mean, like you said, there's no real tr- cure yeah. treatments, but. Like prednisone doesn't necessarily slow down the disease. It just makes your quality of life better with it, you know? Yeah. Um, stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, there, there's, look, look, there's, there's things right now like microdystrophin, right? Okay. And that's a form of gene therapy. What it is, is um, when, when I talk about gene therapy, I want to do what is called full length um, dystrophin, where you insert the full gene. That's the end game, end goal that I want to get to. Mm-hmm. And that would be where you insert the whole dystrophin gene into your body. Here's a fun fact. Dystrophin is actually the largest gene uh, in your body. So it's oh, really? such a large amount of, yeah, it's such a large amount of genetic information that we don't have the vectors, right? We don't yeah. have the delivery vehicles to be able to deliver it inside your body right now. Um, but microdystrophin is becoming a, a practice that people um, can get in trials for right now and do. And that would greatly, greatly help the disease because it would make it a lot less progressive. So, I mean, that I could say is a form of treatment for sure. Um, that definitely is going to improve the quality of life for people with the shin. Um, and so that's, that's really good. There's things like that, you know, there's, there's other treatments, but they all have their, their pros and cons of, of doing them. You know, there's side effects that come with them and there's things that might not work or whatever, but, but really what we need to do, you know, my focus is we need to get gene editing and gene at uh, full length dystrophin, full length gene editing or gene therapy into, into human practice. That's, that's really what, what my main focus is. Mm-hmm. Now, would they be able to diagnose this? the um dystrophin gene problem as a child like asap like can we diagnose someone with dishin when they're uh, a kid yeah yes 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 definitely like we could, um, yeah yeah we could do that i believe you can even do it uh during pregnancy during pregnancy screening now yes so um right so yeah we got really good with testing so you could fix it right then and there which would be ideal and then there would be zero problems um, well, I mean, we haven't done it yet. Yeah. In, in theoretically. Theory, yeah. Theoretically. Yes. There would be no problems if you could edit the DNA and edit out that spelling error. Wow. Yeah, it is really, I mean, it, it's really complex, but the spelling is a great analogy. Like the, yeah. the gene codes are just. Here, here's, but... here's some cool news. I mean, we've already done it in mice completely worked. We've done okay. it in dogs, completely halted the progression. Okay. We've done it um, on human heart cells with patients with Duchenne. So they take the tel- cells out of the, the heart, they put mm-hmm. it in a petri dish, they edit it, and they completely corrected it. Wow. So wow. it looks really promising. Yeah, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I wanted to get into your book, um, A Small If. Yes. Obviously, it's behind you right there. When did that, when did you write that? Yeah. So I started writing it when I was 16 years old. I finished it when I was 17 years old and then I published it, um, late last year. Okay. Uh, When I was 20, uh, well, I'm 20 years old right now. So yeah. Yep. Um, now what does it consist of and where can people get it if they, if they want to read about you and your story and Duchesne more? Yeah. So a small if, right. My book is a memoir. And it also is a book about improving one's quality of life, helping them overcome their suffering, becoming more mentally strong, um, 
become living a more fulfilling life. You know, at the end of each chapter of my life, I include a, a life lesson that I learned that will help people overcome their adversity and live more productive, ambitious uh, lives. And uh, they're searching to those life lessons. So I think they're really, really good. And uh, we could talk about some of those if you want. Um, and so that's what the book's really about, but it's my whole life story. And it's, it's a book about doing, you know, what, what people don't think you're supposed to do. That's where a small if comes from. Um, there's actually a, a story about it. And the way it opens up is my doctor, you know, my spine was becoming really curved. So I, I got an x-ray, mm-hmm. but my doctor looks at it and he goes, you know, I'm going to have to advocate for you to, to have the surgery, to have a metal rod inserted to your back to straighten out your spine, because this is getting dangerous and we don't want it to keep curving. You know, I got to really push for you to have it. He starts naming a team of doctors. He names them. We'll do it during the summertime to avoid the flu season. He gets specific. So I know he's serious. I look yep. over to my left. My mom's crying. My dad's got his head down. That's what he does when he's sad. Um, right. And I'm smiling because I can't accept this news. I do not accept uh, this at all. I'm not going to have the surgery. And so I go back and forth with my doctor. It's a hopeless situation. Then I asked him, I said, okay, okay. Let's just say that I was able to somehow reverse the current state of my spine. Could I then avoid having the surgery? And he tells me, look, I don't want to give you any false hope. I've never seen this been done before. It's basically medically impossible. But because I know you, I will give you a small if. That's if you're able to do it, you don't have to have the surgery. I thought, all right, great. From that day forward, I started uh, working out every single day. I started uh, eating really healthy. I even taught myself how to cook. So, you know, in my wheelchair, I'd be driving and carrying the pan, right? So driving the wheelchair, carrying the pan. Taught myself how to cook, wanted to eat healthy, you know, meal prepping, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, swore off sweets, all that stuff. Went to physical therapy. And this was key. Did intense stretching, intense physical therapy, and uh, really worked on my, my spine. And I wanted it bad, you know, so bad that I would like bite down on my shirt when it was really painful because, yeah, yeah. you know, I had to suck it up because I wanted, I wanted my back straight more than I wanted to avoid the pain. That's, that's something that I was, you know, that's how determined I was. Um, I even hung a picture of my, my x-rays up on my wall. So every morning I would see it and think, oh yeah, I'm going to reverse this. So I would visualize and set the, the, the mood for the day, you know, set the tone, right. What I need to do. And that was my main focus. So three months later from that doctor's appointment, go back. I'm confident I did it. I'm confident I did it. I get off that x-ray table. I'm smiling. I'm fired up in a doctor's office, right? I'm fired up, you know, kind of like an <laughs> athlete. Um, you know, I was raised by a head football coach. So I got that athlete's mindset. Oh, nice. I, I played yeah. football growing up too. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. And so I'm, I'm fired up and I go back and I look at the x-ray. I'm like, that's straighter. I wait for the doctor to come in. He looks at it. He says, that's straighter. You did it. He gives me knuckles and the rest is history. But all I needed was a small if. That's all I needed was a small if. And I took that small chance, that that small sliver of hope, and I turned it into, you know, accomplishing my goal. And that's what I did. And that's really my whole life story is people tell me, you can't do this. You can't do that. You know, so many people doubt me. So you're in a wheelchair, you know, you know, you, you know, people want to put me in a box for being in a wheelchair. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. Or you're only 20 years old or you're only 15 years old. But I am the kind of person that does not believe in the box. You know, I break the box and um, go outside of it. And and that's really what this book is about is, is showing people that you you could really do the so-called impossible or, you know, to be more precise, the improbable. And um, and and that's what it's about. And so, um, yeah, so it's a real encouraging inspirational, motivating type of book that can really help people though, I think just improve their lives and just, you know, get out of a rut, get out of a, you know, being stuck. Mm -hmm. I, I relate to that as well. Like I see 
you know, there's times where I don't want to work out. I don't want to meal prep. Obviously I'm in school. I don't want to do, I don't want to study. And then I, you know, people like yourself, you're, you're so motivating, like so motivating. I mean, like you're doing it. I should be friggin' doing it a thousand times. Like I, I should be doing it. I should be having zero complaints. I should not complain one time. It should just be done, done, done. And I mean, people like yourself, you inspire so many people. I mean, even if you don't, you have an idea, but you probably triple, double that number. And that's the amount of people that you inspire. Anyways, we'll get into the book chapters specifically. Don't give away too much in case people want to pick it up. But um, let's start with just, I know you mentioned some lessons in the book. So, I mean, off the top of your head, uh, give give me a lesson from the book that you well yeah read. the lesson i want to give you just based on what you just said is lesson two stay ambitious right this is something yeah. i'm really big on um you got to stay ambitious in life you mm. got to have some type of ambition some type of goal that you're after something that you're chasing after mm. i believe that when you're not ambitious about anything you're just there you're just existing but when you're ambitious about something, that's when you come alive. That's when you're full of passion, you're full of energy, you're full of purpose. Correct. And so find something that you're ambitious about. I'm ambitious about curing this disease. I'm ambitious about minimizing human suffering. I'm ambitious about becoming the best person that I can become. I'm ambitious about accomplishing greatness, right? I love like talking about greatness and pulling that off gives me goosebumps. That's what I'm ambitious about. Everybody should find what they're ambitious about. And then go after it. I think that that will give people a lot of meaning and purpose and, and make their make themselves come to life, not just exist. You know, just existing is, you know, just sitting there and just being okay with being average and just kind of letting the days go by and, you know, just watching some TV and eating a piece of pizza. You know, it's just a normal, boring routine day. And, and you know, there's no, nothing wrong with that necessarily. But I believe in humanity so much. I believe in people so much that I believe they're capable. I believe everybody is more than capable than just that. Mm -hmm. And so I think they should really push themselves to be their ultimate self, to, to, to reach their potential, right? And so that's what lesson two is about, stay ambitious. Mm -hmm. I feel this the exact same way. I feel as if a lot of people don't really know that what they're ambitious about and they don't. I feel like, the, you know, there's so many distractions in the world, pizza, Netflix, blah, 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 your phone, everything that, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a little internal, you, you got to look inside to think, what am I really passionate about? Because, you know, someone like yourself, you're passionate about these things. You work at them every day. You, you probably don't complain. It's, it's what you do, what you love to do. And it doesn't even, it probably doesn't even feel like work. It just feels like a journey of steps to get to the goal, as you said. Um, but yeah, you, you nailed it on the head. Another chapter, I actually have it here that I want to talk about is dichotomy of control. Yes. What does that mean? How did you come up with it? How... Was there a lesson in your life that was kind of that clicked and, you know, kind of was like, oh, that's a really, really good thing that I need to kind of remember for life, basically. Yeah. So that economy of control actually comes um, from an ancient philosophy called uh, ancient stoicism. And okay. the Stoics talked about this, uh, in particular, Epictetus. 
Um, Epictetus, he, um, well, he, I believe he, he could not walk as well, which was interesting. I believe his master, he was a slave, mm-hmm. his broke his leg or something along those lines. But anyways, Epictetus, he talks about the dichotomy of control. And what this lesson means is that you should focus on what you can control and disregard what you cannot control. But the key is, is a majority of things are not in your control. Right. When you, when you really take this lesson to heart and you actually practice it, you will stop caring about a lot of things which will give you peace and you will remove a lot of stress from you. Um, now, there's a difference between influencing something and controlling it. Controlling it is determining the outcome. Influencing it is trying to, you know, affect the desired outcome that you want, but you can't ultimately control the outcome. So, for example, and this is where I think this is the lesson that, um, or what I learned in my life where I apply this a lot, is I cannot control people judging me. Everybody's going to judge me. Now, let's say I want someone to like me, right? I want, I want them to be my friend. I can be very nice to them. I can take an interest in them. I can be respectful. But at best, all that's going to do is influence them to want to be my friend. Ultimately, they may not like anybody and they don't want to be anybody's friend. And so I can't control if they're going to be my friend or not. I can't determine and make them be my friend. Right. I can only influence it by my own actions, which is what's within my control. So I don't worry too much um, about people's judgments. In fact, you know, if people are really um, far away, like online haters or. Yeah. Uh, but I, I literally don't even think twice about it because no. I just it's not in my control and I, I just don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where that lesson um, is really good. And, it's, and you can apply this to all parts of your life. But that economy of control is a is a really, really good lesson. Mm-hmm. Well, great. That's a, just how you say. It. And, and I mean, coming from stoicism, I mean, that whole thing, I, I, I can see totally why it came from there. Um, just based on knowing some of the, kind of their principles and stuff. Um, now, is there anything else you wanted to share or kind of dive into? Um, well, you know, I would just say that, um, you know, people want to buy the book or learn more about me, you know, you go yeah. on Amazon. Where, yeah. So where can people find you Buy the book Yeah. or, um, social media or anything like that. Anything, if they have any questions or anything, reach out to you. Sure. Yes. If you go on Amazon, um, or Barnes and Noble target online, all these places, uh, you know, they have a small if, uh, so you can buy the book there. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, it's at Elijah J Stacy, uh, just the letter J. So Elijah J Stacy, you know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, wherever, um, and if you want to learn more about me, you can go to ElijahJStacy.com and that's my website. And there's a place there where you can, uh, ask questions if you want, um, and, and stuff like that. So, um, that's all my information, uh, in terms of getting in contact with me and staying up to date with what I do. Now, do you have any plans for 2022? I know it's just a new year. Is it just kind of continue with Destroy Duchesne, raise money for that nonprofit, or is there any kind of big, big, big New Year's resolutions, goals, or anything that you have? This year, I want to accomplish greatness. You know, I want to push yeah. through. Um, so, you know, a lot of lot of things I want to accomplish, but um, really, it's just really getting my book out there more, getting myself out there more. Um, you know, a lot of things are starting to, it's starting to get busy. 
Uh, and I like that. Um, but I really want to make a big push this year in terms of making a, a huge difference. You know, I want to mm. put, I want this disease to be put on the map by the end of this year. Right. Well, that's a great goal. And I'm sure I'll be following you. I'm sure other people will be following you um, wherever you go. And just know we're always, well, we're behind you. Just know even if you don't feel it at all, we're, we're always there. So keep pushing, my man. Awesome. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank um, you so much for having me. No worries. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, if you want to be on again, just let me know. Um, but yeah, awesome. Have a good year. And anything you anything that you want to do or say finally, or just last words? Hey, stay ambitious. Nice. Great. Thanks very much, Elijah. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Okay.